Resuming. Weird. World. Order. Broadcast. Dynatherms connected. Initiating broadcast signal in... Ladies, gentlemen, and knights of the Nerdled Order, this is the Nerdled Order broadcast. I am the man that you call Dukes, and to my right, it's all about the... Booyah! What's up, it's your boy Joe, baby. And to my other, other right, coming straight out of Krakoa, weighing in at 178 adamantium field pounds, Alfonso X-Man Flores. Hello, Wednesday. I've come to you to talk, talk to you about a very special school for gifted youngsters. And with that, Alfonso introduces what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about the Netflix series, Wednesday, which has been very popular. A lot of members of the Nerd World Order are talking about it. And so Joe and Alfonso have seen it. And so the three of us, with very limited contribution from me, are going to be talking about Wednesday today. Uh, gentlemen, just getting into the initial, uh, you know, what, what made you guys want to check out this show? Well, personally, I mean, I've, I've always liked the Adams family. Um, the whole <laughs> Wednesday being having her own show kind of intrigued me because, you know, it's always been Morticia and Gomez, you know, and I was really, I was curious to see what a grown up Wednesday was going to be like, you know, what about you, Joe? I didn't really care too much for the TV show. I, I remember watching the first two in the movie theaters, but you know, scrolling TikTok, you kept seeing the dance that Wednesday was doing, and the more you saw it on TikTok, you're like, "Hmm, maybe I should check the show out." And then, of course, watch the first uh, episode, and I thought it was really good. When I saw the dance on TikTok, clearly it didn't motivate me to want to see the show i think it's weird how you can have a meme that becomes so popular that it has to be shared in a in a show so i thought it was cool but you know i didn't think it was cool when people would do the meme so i wasn't like oh wow they're just reproducing it so i wasn't really compelled to watch the show uh but i'm glad you guys did and i know a lot of other people did and they've enjoyed it uh, alfonso uh won't you tell me a little bit about uh as far as like the family dynamic, can you get into a little bit of that? Help, help us understand it a little bit more. Yeah. Um, the, the thing is, I mean, the Adams family, even though they're kind of the outsiders, you know, they, they're looked on by the world as like creepy, kooky, mysterious, and spooky. <laughs> it's in the song. Anyway. Um, even though, even though they were looked like, looked at like that, if, if you watch the show, that family's always been very tight knit. You know, they were, they're always, they always have each other's back. They're always super functional. So even though they're the ones looking like the weirdos, they're the ones who are really having the good family dynamic that, you know, it's kind of missing in America today. <laughs> so for, for the most part. <laughs> well, for me personally, I feel like that's what America wants to see now is, you know, previously, everything had to reflect the idealism of what America should be. 
I would call it propaganda. I feel like a large majority <laughs> of what we received or what we were force fed as media consumers were was idealistic. And I think if we were to step back and look at like, I'll say Cliff Huxtable as an example, everybody called him America's dad and our reality became very different from that. So I don't think that they would be able to portray the Adams family the way that they've done in the past, because I feel like nobody would accept this perfect family dynamic. What do you think, Joe? Yeah, I agree with you. I'm glad they did it differently. Other, you know, to, to Alfie's point, they were very, very cool together. They got along fine. And this one was, you, you could see that there's some turmoil within their family. And I, that's the stuff I want to see. I want to see something where it starts from like, that uh, they're not connected to where it eventually works this way for them to be more connected. So I thought, I thought the way they did this was pretty good for me. Yeah, I was super intrigued uh, with the fact that, I mean, Wednesday and Morticia, they've, they always got along swimmingly. And then for them to be at odds, like like a real family, you know, a mother and a teenage daughter. I mean, it, it's so common for them to be, you know, kind of tooth and nail at times. Because, <laughs> you know, it's all part of growing up and finding yourself and, you know, being your own person. And But you're still living under your parents' roof. So, you know, uh, they... They had some problems with her. They they found that uh, you know she was being disruptive in school, but in actuality she was just taking care of her little brother. You know, uh, there were some jocks, of course, picking on poor little Pugsley, and Pugsley was a little bit of weirdo. Stuffed in a locker, she found him, saved him, and uh, immediately found that she has this power that kicks in. And oh, by the way, spoilers, full full spoilers for this whole episode. Um, she was actually able to see. Um, like psychic images of what had happened to him. And she saw the, you know, the, the swim team messing with him, knocking him in the locker. So she went to her swim practice with a couple of bags of piranha. And she said, nobody gets to torture my brother but me. <laughs> and she dropped the piranha in the pool. Needless to say, she got expelled. <laughs> How'd you like that part, Joe? Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. I thought it was pretty funny. I was... um. Cause I don't remember like that. She didn't have any psychic stuff other than the, than the Netflix series, right? No, nothing at all. Like uh, they never, they, her and Morticia were always portrayed as like witches. I never yeah. really understood what Gomez supernatural acclaim was, but yeah, those two were more witchy. Mm, okay. Yeah. Cause Dukes, when they went to the, to the school, I mean, they had werewolves, they had witches, they had um, vampires. Yeah, vampires and etc. It's almost it reminds me of like Harry Potterish kind of like a school where you know like they have you know people that were different, and they had a name for uh, normal people. They call them normies, and I was like, <laughs> kind of fun, kind of like really, dude. That's <laughs> that's the best nickname you can come up with. But I thought that was pretty cool. I liked it. You know, the norm, the term normies is actually uh, rather prevalent right now. I listened to a conspiracy podcast uh, broadcaster, Isaac Weisoff, and he refers to people who haven't been indoctrinated into the world of conspiracy theories as normies. That's actually a pretty hmm. popular term now. I'm surprised that they use that in 
this show, but it also makes sense because it's like anyone who feels like they're on the fringe, they call everybody else normies. So it's, uh, it's funny how they did that. Yeah. Punk, punk rockers did that a lot too in the you know seventies and eighties. Everybody else were normies. Yeah. I, I wasn't into the punk rock scene, even though uh, my first introduction into uh, let's say guitar-based music was the Dead Kennedys. I never really went full force into punk rock. <laughs> I did. Did I? I remember Doug. At, he, uh, my brother used to listen to Six uh, Six Sputnik. <laughs> you guys ever heard of him? Okay. Uh, no. At the end of Ferris Bueller, at the end of the credit scene, the the song that was playing in the background that's Six Six Sputnik. Uh, wow! It was like a punk rock band. I was—I remember watching. I was like, "Dude, that's because Doug always played that dang song, man." Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a deep cut. I'm gonna have to check that out. Yeah. One thing that you guys have said so far that has intrigued me was, I feel like they're modernizing, but also not going for all the cliches. Like previously, it would have been the football team that would have picked on Pugsley. Uh, but now it's the swim team. Now, let me say, my son's on the swim team. I've been around the swim team. The swim team ain't picking on nobody. Maybe it's just my son's school. <laughs> but the folks on the swim team would be calling everybody else normies because they see themselves as being a a group that really isn't understood as far as how athletic they have to be. So uh, I think it's interesting. They went that route, but yeah, swim team ain't shoving nobody in the lockers. Sorry, son. <laughs> you ain't shoving nobody in lockers. <laughs> All right. So from, from here, where we go to is uh, Morticia sees this as an excellent opportunity to, to send Wednesday to the school that she went to her alma mater, where she met Gomez Adams, a school called Nevermore. And uh, Nevermore is like long-term, old school, you know, uh, it's a boarding school for uh, children of the supernatural, basically. Uh, she, you know, she, she thrived there and she, she knows that this school is going to help Wednesday open up to her full potential as a person, because as a mother, that's what you want for your child, right? You want them to reach their full potential. And, you know, she's a little closed off to people. You know, she doesn't make a lot of friends. She's not the hugging type. She doesn't high five. So, um, they're really excited about this. They they get a, they get a senator to Nevermore. She's got no choice because she has been expelled from the school that she was going to. <clears throat> Excuse me, and um, you know they send her away. They drive her off to school. Lurch is driving like always, and uh, before they leave, they drop a little uh, a little uh, spy. And uh, I don't know if you guys remember Thing, but you know, the one hand opens up the bottom of the car, crawls right out, and goes keep an eye on her. <laughs> How'd you like Thing, Joe? Thing is dope. I didn't really care too much for him in the you know the movie, the couple of movies that I've seen. But with with Thing, he was more in the show and he did a lot more. And you start to think like, man, I need that around me. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Just to use him to whatever I needed to get done. And that's what she, that's what she was doing with the thing. And it was pretty cool to see that, you know, the hand go everywhere and do certain things. And she could be almost like in two different places. And she had a spy and, you know, report back and everything. So I thought that was pretty cool. You know, one thing about Thing, too, uh, it was all practical effect. It was an actual hand. It was somebody with a mm -hmm. green suit on that stopped at the hand. 
Yeah. And uh, they weren't using CGI for that. And some of the things that he did and, and the you know angles he got in was pretty impressive. Uh, it, it was weird to see a hand with so much personality. Yeah. Do you remember Thing, Alan? I absolutely do remember Thing, and I, I have a lot of questions. Joe <laughs> is absolutely correct. Thing was annoying, dumb, useless in both the TV mm -hmm. show, yeah. uh, also the movies. How is he communicating and being so useful in this show? <laughs> Sign language. Mm -hmm. um, I think he texts. He'll, he'll, uh, he, he does a lot of like anamorphic movements to mm -hmm. kind of convey his point, and, and it works really well. You remember the TV show where it, actually there was like a box on the table and the whole arm would come out? And it was just like as if there was some kind of grotesque monster that just didn't want to come out other than his hand. This this was awesome because thing was he was like total Frankenstein too. He had all these cuts and scars, and he was sewn back together. And you could tell something was done, you know. And um, many will speculate that it's Luke Skywalker's hand, you know, because that was mm -hmm. a galaxy far, far away a long time ago. <laughs> mm. Yeah. <laughs> Alan, the one thing that this TV show did was make you care about the thing. Like each episode, you kind of like started liking the thing a lot more to where you thought he was going to die because he, um, towards the end, he got stabbed and you're like, man, the thing could die, you know, because you were so invested in the thing. Like he would do stuff like it's, it's her birthday. She doesn't want to celebrate anything. So the thing got all everybody all together to lead her to like a, a tombstone where they can say hey, happy birthday and then she'd look at the thing and he'd had and with his little manner you know like kind of like oh hey i did this for you kind of thing so it kind of you you could see the development it, so much stuff was happening alan like of course wednesday was having issues with her mom she moves into her new roommate with annette right and annette is the opposite of her so it's almost like light and day living together in one little room which it does by certain angles from the sunshine directed inside like a open window that's like dark lit. But they she made it very clear this is my half, that's your half. And she's her friend's so animated, she's jumping, she wants to be her best friend. Where Wednesday she just wants to be by herself and she thinks she, with life she's gonna be a loner, she doesn't need anybody else. And you get to see those two grow together to have a friendship as well towards the end. With Wednesday having more a better relationship with their mother, you know, and and her father, you know. I do have questions about. Uh, let's see here, Edith. Enid, also Enid. about Thing. Enid. Okay, Enid. Uh, so my first question, going back to Thing. Thing starts out as a spy. Is it one of those things where he's clearly or immediately discovered, so he starts to align himself with Wednesday? <laughs> she finds him she finds him under her bedspread and yeah. she's like come up here and so she's like interrogating him and she's like you know what you're gonna work for me or you're gonna spend the entire semester in this drawer and you're gonna mm -hmm. try to claw, claw your way out and you're gonna mess up your nails and we know how much you like your perfect manicure <laughs> and, and it's like mm -hmm. he's like shaking <laughs> and he's like finally he agrees to help her he's like she's like you're gonna work for me now and he's like okay okay <laughs> Awesome. Okay, so that mm -hmm. answers that. My mm -hmm. additional question about Enid. Everybody on the show is uh, has some form of, let's say, reference, whether it be werewolves, vampires, psychic, witch, whatever. What sort of mythical creature is Enid? 
She's a werewolf. She's also oh, wow. at that stage where she's becoming a werewolf and she's not wolfing out fully. So like she's really like seen by her, her parents as kind of like, you know, the, the bad seed, you know, she's not, she's not coming to fruition and they're kind of embarrassed of mm-hmm. her, you know, uh, she, all she could do is like grow her nails and they're super mm-hmm. strong, of course. So that, that definitely helps. And, mm-hmm. and it's so funny because like, she's a werewolf, but doesn't seem anything like it. You know, when Wednesday first gets to the bedroom, that that they share it's i think it's kind of like in the attic it looks like a rainbow threw up right yeah and then and then they, they make their introductions and she basically kind of like shows her how standoffish she is and the next next time Enid comes back in the room half of it's completely rainbow mm-hmm. half of it's black and white yeah right she even they, they had a really cool stained glass window that was all pretty colors <laughs> wednesday on her side took all the color out mm-hmm. <laughs> That's very cool. So, uh, so you guys have talked about Enid. What other characters were interesting in the show? Um, well, in in the school, and and I, it's cool because like Joe described it as uh, Harry Potterish. I, I kind of did the same thing, but you know, to me, it's more Xavier's mansion. Like she was rooming with Rain Sinclair, the Wolf's Bane. But uh, there was also there was a few other characters. Like um, there was Xavier. <laughs> That's funny. His name is Xavier. I, I don't know. <laughs> he uh, turns out he he knew her from before. Um, they met when they were like ten. He said uh, they were at. He was at his grandmother's funeral, and he goes. He goes. Remember, you saved my life. And she goes, Oh. That's right. You were in the casket. What? He goes. Yeah. I was. I was looking at my grandmother. And I fell in, and the casket lid closed on me, and and I was screaming for help, and it was about to go into the furnace. And uh, and she goes, oh well, I thought she was coming back to life. I just wanted to see that. <laughs> so she ended up saving him from the furnace, and now he's kind of smitten over her, which is tough because he had actually just broken up with the most popular girl in school, Bianca. <laughs> what sort of monster is he, for lack of a better phrase? How would you describe that, Joe? That that was an interesting thing that he had. The whole time you're explaining the story, right? I'm thinking how much Alan will not watch this show. To be honest, Xavier, bro, like, I'm like, so he makes drawings come alive? Like, Alan would have looked at that and be like, wait, what? <laughs> so the, <laughs> this is this is why Alan will, will – he's not going to watch it. So Christina Ricci is – you know, the she was in – she was Wednesday in the in the Adam's Alley – or the Adam's Alley 1 and 2, right? Right. She plays a teacher there who they call a normie, right? And so you're thinking, so up to that point, she had had um, her visions of like, she had an altercation with, um, what was that kid's name, Alfie? The one with the glasses who they, who ended up- Yeah, he was basically like a, he was kind of a nerd that was being pushed around. And Wednesday kind of came to his aid. Mm. Oh my gosh, that's the one name I well, didn't write down. Never mind, it doesn't matter. So he, his mom tells him, they have a vision that Wednesday's going to come in and destroy the school. So he tries to attempt to, you know, kill her. So he ends up getting murdered. She has her visions. And so now it's the CW where Xavier, who Alfie had said like, Hey, you saved my life. And then the other dude who is the, the sheriff's son. Right. (laughs) And he portrays to be like the good guy. Right. And then Xavier, is the bad kind of guy, the bad boy, right? And then by the end of the movie, spoiler alert, 
the guy, the the sheriff's son, ends up being this creature Alan that's called the Hyde, and based and pretty much you can manipulate a person that can turn into a Hyde and and mentally abuse them to where they anything you say they'll do. You end up he ends up being the bad guy, and then the other guy who ends up looking like he's a bad guy ends up being like the the real nice guy that's always been there for you know for since day one, where it's a love triangle. Yeah, and you know Duke's ain't gonna be down for no CW low triangle, dude. He's gonna be like, <laughs> "What's this crap?" That's why it's funny we're talking about this. I know Alan's like, "I'm not gonna watch that. I don't care what they say, <laughs> even if it has the thing moving around." Yeah, you guys, uh, you did have me interested until Joe said what? love triangle. Now that's <laughs> like, cross this off my list. Yeah, yeah. Come on, Cyclops and, and Wolverine and Jean Grey had the best love triangle ever. Everybody was down yeah. for that. And not to mention, it's very predictable. Like the ending, Alan would have, you know, Alan's a tight. Oh, I would. Of course, it's her. Of course, <laughs> you know, because they make it. They make it so simple. The the thing that they did kind of throw you off is the ending. Yeah. Uh, you know, like what happened. But up to that point, you're kind of like, I bet you this is the person that's trying to get her killed, and and it ends up being that person. It's very predictable. And then I love triangles. Of course, I, I know you're not gonna. You 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 wouldn't even last that dude. She'd be like, "What's what's this, dude? What is this?" Which I didn't mind because it wasn't as bad as CW's mad drama look with the arrow. You know, it wasn't that kind of bad. You know, because it was kind of like here's a little taste and give you little snippets, and it's not giving you the full the full dose, which CW used to do all the time. How many episodes are there? Eight. Ten. Eight. No, eight. Are they an hour or a half hour? Like 45 minutes. Yeah. Okay. I'll sit through two episodes and see how so, it is. So get, so get this. I, I just found out the other day, because I, I didn't really do any research into it, but uh, on TikTok, you know, podcasts pop up all the time for me because I you know post podcasts. And the Tom Welling and uh, Rosenbaum podcast, you know, the Smallville one, keeps popping up. And they're talking about like, oh, we're going to do a Smallville reunion. We, we should really redo it. And people are like, oh, yeah, you got to do it. He goes, well, we're actually thinking about maybe doing an animated series. But the writers for Smallville just finished up Wednesday on Netflix. So they're almost free. So I was like, oh, the Smallville people wrote this. See, Smallville, first of all, I think Smallville was uh, CW before CW became CW. (laughs) I feel like Smallville didn't go into the whole... I know there's the Lois Lane and uh, Clark Kent Superman thing, but I feel like they didn't go overboard with the whole romance aspect. I don't think they did, no. Yeah, so, okay, that's another plus. So, Alfonso, what other characters were there that, you know, might have been interesting, or was that pretty much it? No, no, there there was quite a few. And and before we get, I I don't, before I, you know, gleam over this, you know, before looking at this, one thing that that Wednesday did is they kind of, in my opinion, they kind of did the same kind of thing Buffy did. They they followed that same Scooby-Doo format, you know, where there's always going to be a bad guy. You know, that it's always never who you think it is. But and then they always bring in all the supporting characters. Mm-hmm. And and you know, some of the supporting characters like Bianca, she was she was the uh she was the love interest of Xavier before Wednesday got there. You know, he didn't dump her because Wednesday was there, he dumped her because she's a siren. And the, you know, classic siren, almost like a mermaid who's in the water and they sing their songs and the men follow the song into the water and they die, right? So they have a power to manipulate people, you know, like a psychic power and uh and he was afraid that 
she was she was manipulated into dating her and she was kind of a jerk to everybody else in the school because she was you know the mean girl and uh and he's like and i can't do this anymore so but she does wear a pendant uh, all the sirens in the school wear this pendant to suppress her powers a little bit because otherwise they would do it without really thinking that they were doing it you know hmm. um she was a lot of fun i mean she was she was like an expert fencer and she was tearing people up and then wednesday's like i would like to try and they had an incredible fencing duel. And, and I don't know if you guys remember, but from like the Adams Family TV show, the Adams Family movies, Gomez Adams was a superior fencer, right? And he must have taught Wednesday how to fence and she was amazing, you know? They even got to the point, she's like, how about no helmets? How about first blood wins? And you know, the teacher's like, well, it's up to her. And I'm like, the teacher said that. So the next thing you know, they're going at it. And uh, Wednesday does not win that fight. So let's see here. You mentioned a Scooby-Doo aspect. Uh, is there some sort of villain, monster, big bad in, the, in every episode that gets exposed? Not necessarily every episode, but that's what it's all leading up to, right? It's it's almost like one big episode of Scooby-Doo where you've got you've got the big bad, but you've got you know little aspects of things that are going around as well. It, it's weird because there was actually two big bads, but one of them was actually two different people and they were all trying to accomplish the same thing man that's that's kind of tough because yeah it was really layered as far as the the bad guys go the big bad the actual big bad was named uh joseph joseph crackstone right he was basically the one back in the day when the pilgrims came and he did you know he made the town what it was he made it safe for the normies and he he shunned you know the supernatural right and the whole thing was the prophecy that Joe was telling, talking about earlier was that he was going to be resurrected and that he was going to set things straight again because this school was like here, but truthfully, the school brought, you know, money to the city, to the town, right? Because they, people would come for that. And I don't know, it was, it was, it was really well laid out, you know, uh, it, it was a show that had you, it kept you guessing mm -hmm. as far as like, oh, who's the bad guy, you know? And they start leaving little bits of information here and here. So you're thinking, oh, man, it's a psychiatrist. It's totally the psychiatrist. And mm -hmm. I'm thinking, you know what? It's too obvious that it's going to be the psychiatrist. It's not going to be the psychiatrist. Did you ever think that was going to be her, Joe? Yeah, they – you mean the therapist? I think it was a therapist. Yeah, therapist. Right? Yeah, yeah. Therapist. Uh, they, were, they, were, they were trying to throw you sense to, you know, throw you off. But – I guess we should, we should have a little more detail. So when she tried, the guy that tried to kill Wednesday, where the prophecy where they said that she was going to destroy the school. Yeah. So now Wednesday's going around trying to investigate to see what that that piece of paper is because it's from a book. So she's going around and she's investigating to see what leads into what. And then the process of her investigating the hide which is a human that turns into like a, a, a kind of like a beast kind of thing. And they do a, a multiple murders and within the forest. And so through their investigation to find out like the reason why the sheriff didn't like the family is because her dad got away with murder. So, you know, so it's like a guy that went, the guy that got murdered had a super crush on, 
his wife at the time when they were going to school. And then in the midst of the fighting, she accidentally kills him, kills Thornhill and he falls down. The mom hangs herself, the dad drinks himself to death, and supposedly the daughter in England went swimming and drowning and never found the body. And so that's where you start to think like, is is Lauren Thornhill really dead or is she still alive? So now the thing is who's 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 um Laurel Thornhill, which it, it almost points to like to, to Alfie's point of therapist, which it wasn't a therapist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it's it's cool because like you know, you you know there's this Hyde creature. And of course, like like mm-hmm. Jekyll and Hyde, right? And because you know of Jekyll and Hyde, you assume that it's gonna be one person, right? That that there's one person by day and by night it's the Hyde. Mm-hmm. But you know, it turns out it's not that way. And and then you find out, well, you know, you're looking for Thornhill or Lauren, and you're like, well, yeah, definitely a therapist because it's got to be a girl, right? Um, and and who else in the town could it be? And it's like, oh, wait a minute, the librarian, the normie, you yeah. know, could that be her? And then and then the whole time, like we're watching the show, you know, so many people are like, oh, it's totally Xavier. Xavier is is the hide. I'm like, there's no way, dude. There, that's that's too obvious, right? And then and I'm thinking about it, I'm like, it's got to be the coffee boy. And that, that's someone uh, Joe was talking about who's the sheriff's son. His name is uh, uh, Lucas, I think. But uh, yeah, Tyler, Tyler. I was always calling him coffee boy. And I'm like, yeah, it's totally coffee boy. And, and you know, because he was just too sweet. You know, he was he was always there to help. He was always like, he didn't ask too many questions. He was just down for whatever, you know. And I'm like, this guy, he's hiding something, right? And, and lo and behold, it turns out that he's the hide. But the hides aren't smart creatures, and there's always somebody who's controlling the hide, and and it's not necessarily somebody shift, shifting into that. So um, then now we're trying to figure out who is controlling this hide, and that's where we're, you know, lo and behold, the the killer reveals herself, and it's it's the original Lauren, uh, who turns out to be the librarian, and mm-hmm. it's Christina Ricci, you know, from the original Adams family. So she's now trying to kill Wednesday. That twist would have made me go like. Psh- but wait there's more so like <laughs> right. every time the creature killed somebody they took a body part right so for christian ricci's um maryland for maryland the summer jo- uh summon joseph you needed the body parts and then of course wednesday's blood the cliche i need your blood because to... oh your ancestor oh that's what it is too we forgot that alfie like the ancestor put joseph away but didn't pull him away fully. And the only way to wake him up from him being trapped in the casket was the blood of an ancestor and the body parts, which he came back to life. <laughs> and then you got the big bad, Joseph yeah. Crackstone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which is you know? the, the weirdest. So he, he couldn't stand witches. This is what I don't get. Couldn't stand witches or anything like that. But dude came back alive and had his wand and was just moving everybody dude i was like wait what now this guy got powers before you guys jump into the big bad and joseph crackstone if i go back and i understand this correctly i understand that writing is what it is and uh, there's there's things that have to happen in order to move the story along Mm -hmm. none of this would be happening if wednesday didn't get expelled from her school so it's the timing is very perfect Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like uh, Crackstone wouldn't have been able to unveil his plan or anything, except for the fact that 
Wednesday was there at the perfect time. Does that sound about right? Well, there was a prophecy. That that's that one kid who was trying to kill her, he had telekinesis, trying to drop a gargoyle on her. He his mom had she had the foresight power and she drew this picture and gave it to him and said, Look, this is this person's gonna come and destroy everything you love, this mm-hmm. school. So if you find her, you have to kill her. And that was like foretold foretold in the seventies, right? So it was it was all set up. There's there's no there's it's it's fate. It had to happen. Okay, it had to be written that way. I'm cool. Yeah. I'm okay with that. But obviously, she the prophecy was wrong. She was there to save the school. Oh, it, it was, was misinterpreted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's always the way it is. Like there's a piece of the page missing from the prophecy, or a person passes out before they see the last part of the prophecy, and so it turns out that uh, that it's like they were wrong. You know, and so it's like, oh, they're not bad. So that's what happened, basically. (laughs) Exactly. Like, you ever watch something and you're like, why do I like this? This doesn't make sense. I shouldn't like this. I look at it like this. Sometimes I'm watching Godzilla movies and I have Mm -hmm. the audacity to go, really? But up until that moment, I'm totally cool with like a, you know, a 500 foot irradiated lizard mm-hmm. running around so i look at it sometimes yeah. you just got to watch a show and just take it for what it is you know yeah i that's why i enjoyed the show a lot like i would recommend yeah. like i would recommend it to you to watch it totally. you know as much as it sounds like i'm passionate because of certain things i just know <laughs> i just know the stuff that you that just bugs you where i can just tolerate it you know like i get what they're trying to do with it and i'm as long as you know as long as it's not really pushed on you so aggressively to where you you know like it will bug you like you know it's one of those things where like you know like someone taps you on the shoulder and you turn around you're like you couldn't just say hey joe you gotta tap me on the shoulder <laughs> you know what i mean so like you look real quick and like ah oh, it's not that bad i guess i'm just tripping and th- and that's how that show is like you'll catch stuff and you're like yeah they moved on from it pretty fast i'll let it go and that's that's the that's the that's the momentum of the show it just keeps doing that yeah it, it's a teeny bopper you know, supernatural, melodrama, love triangle, mm-hmm. you know, everything that you're like, oh, man, mm-hmm. yeah, I got to yeah. watch. I didn't even try to watch that, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah. and you watch it and it's just, I'm going to say it was well written, even though they mm-hmm. had a lot of, you know, standard tropes that one would call lazy writing. I think yeah. it was well done and it was well put together. Mm-hmm. It was well strung together. And it, mm-hmm. it just it gave you a little bit to help you feel smart. It took a little mm-hmm. away from you so that you could feel suspenseful. You know, it, it just it played out so well the formula it was the formula that that worked so well mm-hmm. i mean you had you even had like you had the characters all the characters are great you had medusas you know you had a kid who who was going to go make out with the chick but she could he couldn't do it because when he was to get out of the shower he accidentally looked in the mirror and turned himself to stone you know which was only temporary you know you you had um you had the canoe race you, mm-hmm. you had you know the uh the sirens cheating with a siren underwater pushing the boats to break him up you had um what other what other supernatural people were there there, there was it was it was just oh, there was a kid who could talk to bees you know he turned out to be like one of the main characters and mm-hmm. and he he came down and he just he's it's all about the hive code Alan. you know it's the hive code man <laughs> he does he doesn't know what that means well you know it's like the bees they you know the way they are they have their 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 hierarchy right and on top of it one thing that he pointed out is that the queen rules all. And he's like, Wednesday, you're a lot like that queen, you know? 
And, and Wednesday, she had so many skills. She was she was a fencer. Her archery skills were like like ridiculous. You know, she would play the cello. They even brought her mm-hmm. in there. Like the the principal was funny because it was uh, uh, Gwendolyn uh, Christie, the the one who was uh, she was in Game of Thrones. You didn't watch Game of Thrones, anyways. Um, it, it was cool because she's she's like a very tall, like strong woman. And, you know, they did her up so fancy in this. And it was really cool. One of the interviews, she's like, this is the first time I really ever felt pretty. And, I mean, for a woman of her age to be, to say something like that, it was touching. It was it was impressive. But uh, she, the principal came up with an idea to try to get Wednesday involved in everything more. So she's like, oh, hey, you played a cello. I heard you played a cello on your balcony one night. She's mm-hmm. like, uh, I had the, I had the uh, the musical uh, group take, take the cello down to the christening of, um, Joseph Crackstone's statue, which of course she didn't want to have anything to do with. And next thing you know, you find out they had a flashbacks. A thing had like run gasoline all in the fountain where they were, where they had this the thing, and they lit it on fire. The band took off running. Everybody took off running, and she's sitting there with her cello, just like metal. It was so metal. Yeah, there was another show that used that same. Ah, oh, was The Walking Dead that used that same gasoline in the fountain trick a few weeks before. So, Walking Dead did it first. So, so <laughs> let me get something straight here. She's good at archery. Yes. She's good at fencing. Yes. She plays the cello. Yes. Isn't that the same character from Hawkeye? Was yeah. it the cello she played in Hawkeye? I cannot. I'm pretty sure Kate Bishop played the cello. Pretty sure someone, it was too. Yeah, someone feel free to mention that in the comment. Wow, this is so well written. They couldn't come up with any other talents other than the ones that have already been on Disney Plus. That's that's good. <laughs> yeah, she knew Kung Fu too. <laughs> right. Wow. Oh, she whooped, yeah. She so down. she was. Yeah. It, it, one other good thing too was Uncle Fester was actually pretty good in this too, Alan. That's right. So, what I liked about this TV series is two characters that I felt they didn't really do anything with in the first two movies. I, I never watched the TV show, so I couldn't tell you if they did, but I enjoyed the thing in Uncle Fester a lot in this TV series too. And then Bianca was pretty dope too, but, yeah. but you know, like they paint her out to be the bad guy, but just like, if anything, Cobra Kai taught me, you know, one's <laughs> perspective is different, you know, to, to the point, like she never felt like he really loved her you know, on his own, and she's always going to be thinking that. And so who comes in Wednesday, and now her new man, her ex likes Wednesday. Same thing as Karate Kid. Yeah, yep. But but then towards the end, you know, they end up get, becoming friends. But you, real, you realize towards the end, she really isn't that bad. So thus, Cobra Kai has taught us something again. <laughs> I'm going to go out on a limb here, and and I hope you gentlemen prove me wrong. So is it Uncle Fester or Lurch who has secret paramilitary training that no one knew about and he's able to <laughs> do all this secret spy stuff? Which one is it? Because that wouldn't be a lazy writing and a cliche. Uh, neither, but Uncle Fester, played by Fred Armiston, was a bank robber and he was on the run and he was mm-hmm. hiding out with Wednesday for a little bit. It was cool. He only showed up for a couple episodes too. Right. Okay, yeah. okay. Okay, yeah. so he had skills. So still, it was yeah. one of those things where he was able to do all these incredible, like, uh, sneak into buildings, and he was really good with guns and all that. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's I find that to be completely original. 
I'm really surprised it was like that. Even though I'm not really going to watch season two, everybody's talking about this show. In fact, mm-hmm. I recently heard a stat, which I'm now going to say wrong and make it completely invalid. But the stat <laughs> basically said that Wednesday was one of the fastest downloaded or watched shows in Netflix's history. By saying that, I make it true because I can't remember the exact stat. But yeah, it was one of the fastest downloaded shows in Netflix's history, which means they've already greenlit a season two. What do you guys hope to see in season two? Well, you know, they, they dropped a few little things throughout season one that you thought were going to come to fruition. Like somewhere along the line, Wednesday got a bunch of pictures of her, like from a distance. So, and like a note, like, I'm watching you, right? And, you know, you were thinking that it was going to come to fruition at the end, but it didn't. Somebody was still watching her. Something was still going on there. You also had uh, Bianca Barclay. Uh, randomly, through like one of the later episodes, her mom shows up at the school. And she's like, what the heck are you doing here? And And her mom calls her by a different name. And it turns out that Bianca's on the run from her mom because her mom works for some guy who likes to use the siren power to do, you know, his bidding so that he can, you know, move up his stature in life or whatever. And she's like, I want, I don't want any part of that. You know, he's not my real father, you know, stuff like that. And so she's actually at the school, like super achieving on her own, right. To stay away from her mom, to get away from her mom, but her mom found her. And she's like, I need you to do this for me one time. And then after that, I'll leave you alone. And they left that alone. So something's going to happen there in season two as well. Um, I'm not sure if there was any other things that they they set up, but I'm sure they're there that we just didn't see. Did you notice anything else, Joe? No, they're pretty much, you know, to your point, if anything else that I missed through the, the all the eight episodes, but that pretty much covers it. So this whole Bianca thing has left me a little bit interested and also perplexed it seems like whatever bianca's mother is asking her to do would have something to do with the school otherwise bianca's mom could just do it anywhere no however bianca's Bianca's mom is aging out and she's losing her gift like as they get older they're not as potent so i change your question alan Her, her daughter ran away and so she ran away she created a new identity and she, you know, used her powers to get into the school. And the mom ended up finding her is what happened. Yeah, I'm still not following because it feels like all of these sirens, apparently there's what good sirens and bad sirens because there's all these sirens who are willing to wear the magical jewel mm-hmm so that their powers are suppressed. But then there's also sirens out there who are willing to use their powers for profit. Does that sound about right? Yeah. Right. Okay. So why does Bianca's mom specifically need Bianca to do this thing when there's other sirens out there who will very gladly do the same thing for profit and power? That's That's the one thing we don't know. We don't know if there's a lot of them out there. But we do know that she's losing her powers. And because she's losing her powers, that's why the dad said to go back and find her and get her to come back to help us. And they create these little bracelets that they sell. It's almost like almost an info notice kind of thing where 
they look at those things and the more a person looks at that, they get hypnotized with what they're saying. And eventually they end up giving her mom and her, her husband money. And so that's how they take people's money. And because she's using her powers, he tells her to go get your daughter. She needs to come do this, which she says, I'll come and help you out for, I want to say like a weekend or something, like help her get back to where they got to get to. And then she says she's out. Yeah. The, the, the either stepdad or, or, you know, mom's boyfriend, he, Mm -hmm. he's running a cult is what it is. Yeah. And yet there may be other sirens out there, but they're looking out for themselves. They're not looking out for this guy, you know? I'm sure there's some guy in some white beater shirt, in, you know, Florida probably, who's got this one siren under his control, and you know he's like, "I need your daughter now because you're too weak. We gotta get, we gotta get more money, more money," you know. So he's looking out for himself. She's looking out for him. But other sirens are probably not interested. They got their own thing going, you know. They're CEOs of major companies. I'm gonna leave it alone. I know, right? It doesn't make sense because like if sirens can really make men do whatever they need, then why? You know what I mean? Like. What that guy has powers over her? She's in love with him, man. Yes. Love is a powerful drug. <laughs> well, gentlemen, I have to say that normally when you guys talk about something, I'm like, oh my God, now I want to watch this. I'm going to rewatch it. Whatever the case, when normally when you guys talk about a show, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and the thing is, everybody I know has watched this show. Mm-hmm. And said it's really great, and I have to watch it. Yeah, but we know I watch some trash TV. We know that I watch some trash <laughs> shows. There's no way around that. So sometimes things just miss their mark because they're just a just a little bit too mainstream for me. And I feel like that's probably what's happening with Wednesday. So uh, Wednesday, uh, I don't have a good calendar joke, but uh, Wednesday uh, will not be on my schedule. <laughs> yeah, you know, to me, it seemed like we talked you into it, then we talked you out of it, then we talked you into mm-hmm. it, and we talked you out of it. So, oh, real quick, just so since you're not going to probably watch it, Enid, the werewolf, she finally gets to wolf out, right? She gets to go full werewolf, mm-hmm. and, and she's actually a big part of taking down the hide because the mm-hmm. hide is this, you know, this beast, you know, with claws and fangs. And, and what's a werewolf? Same thing. So, Enid's like, I'm going to take you down, takes him down. Then the B-boy comes over and takes out the librarian chick. And Wednesday beats uh, Joseph Crackstone. Everybody lives happily ever after. So we think until season two. When Joe said B-boy, I was thinking about like yeah. on the streets. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. Thanks for that one, Alfonso. I was like, what? It's <laughs> on here. I might, but it was not to be. Um, okay, here's another cliche, right? So mm-hmm. there's always this one character that has a power, and they just cannot manifest that power. And it's like final episode. There's someone who's in the corner. They're about to die, and it's like ah, and then all of a sudden they manifest their power. Is that pretty much what happened here? That's exactly mm-hmm. what happened. But. You're okay with it. That's the thing. Like a lot of stuff that they did is very cliche, but you're okay with it. Oh, that's cool. I mean, I can't, <laughs> like I said, I watch Godzilla movies and I will frequently, you know, 
be okay with all the nonsense throughout the whole show. So <laughs> if people enjoy Wednesday and all the cliches, I'm totally cool with that. More power to you. You know what, Alfonso? It's, it seems like you really enjoyed this show. Uh, why don't you go ahead and give us uh, your, I don't know, let's say final thoughts on the show. Duke's it promises two episodes. And you know what's going to happen? He's going to get hooked. He's going to be like, yeah, I'm going to go on and do three. And then <laughs> and then it's on. And then I suggest you all do it too. If you haven't seen it, definitely watch it. I've watched the, the, the whole series once. Um, in the middle of watching it again a second time with my daughter who didn't watch it yet. And uh, she is loving it, and she doesn't like much because she's 16. This concludes this episode of the Nerd World Order broadcast. So until next time, ladies, gentlemen, and knights of the Nerd World Order, I am NWO. We are NWO. Nerds redefined. Booyah! Booyah!